Hi, everyone. My name is Shannon Calder, licensed therapist, and I'm joined by Dr. Kathy Barrett, forensic psychologist. We talk about all topics from a psychological perspective. Welcome to Terror Talk. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Terror Talk with Shannon and Kathy. Hey, Kathy, how's it going? Oh, it's Monday and it's already been busy. Yes, it is Monday. We're recording this on a Monday. Um, we upload on Wednesdays this show, Terror Talk, and we also upload a show called Shrink Chat on Fridays, which is shorter and a little bit more casual. We're still feeling out what that show is going to be, so you're you're coming along with us if you listen to that show. So today on the show, we are going to talk torture horror. Uh, it's a particular horror subgenre that is pretty famous. If you know movies like Texas Chainsaw Massacre or the Saw franchise or Wolf Creek or, I mean, you watched a bunch, Hostel, um, Last House on the Left, I yeah, think you watched. Um, yeah. yeah, Last House on the Left was one of the originals. That was in 1972. It's also called Torture Porn. Yeah, Torture Porn the other way yeah, they look at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it is really around, you know, torture, torment, and humiliation. Absolutely. And and we, I, I think in our one of our very first episodes uh, last year, we did an episode, I think it was our second one, I think, where I kind of brought the movie Audition to to mm-hmm. the discussion and that's considered you know there's torture in that one that's cons- pretty the last 30 minutes of that movie is pretty famous as far as a torture scene is concerned so yeah um, that was pretty bad and there's um, another um asian movie called old boy that has a couple of pretty famous scenes in it as well so it's just a, it's a subgenre and a lot of people uh like this i i mean you know I don't know. I don't know. what. Do you like this genre of horror? Um, hmm. You know, I have to say that it depends for me on, on one thing. Um, and I think that there, we're going to, after the break, we're going to get into more of the psychology behind it. But um, there are so many of these films. And I think that the older ones, so we brought up Last House on the Left, which was, made in 1972, actually by Wes Craven, mm. who was not known for this type of, he was known for horror and suspense, but not necessarily for this grotesque. And this was his, one of his, the first films he ever did. Mm. And it was, it was banned in the UK till 2002 because, um, and, and I would say that it's not necessarily because it's uh, graphic, like hostile, yeah. But I think what makes me more upset to watch Last House on the Left versus Hostel, which to me is just a waste of time because I think it's dumb and it's cheap <laughs> thrill. Yeah, I didn't like Hostel either. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's, it's horrible. Um, and I'll talk about those guys later, Eli Roth and all those guys. But Last House on the Left, I think, why it was so difficult for me to get through. And I think I sent you um, a bunch of texts when I was watching it. Is it's not necessary. It's not that gory, um, and it's certainly not as like painful in the sense that eyeballs aren't being ripped out. But there is a combination of fear coupled with humiliation, mm-hmm. coupled with comedy and misogyny. So what it is is it's basically um, a 
psychologically terrorizing and it's based on humiliating specifically a female character um, getting her to strip down, expose herself, urinate on herself, things that are extremely disturbing as a woman to watch and the terror in her character in these two women and um, to me that is more horrific to sit through than anybody's eyeball being ripped out. Yeah, I think one of the things that's most disturbing for me about it is absolutely what you're talking about is um, the misogyny, um, but also just, you know, women as prey. They're often, you know, chased and hunted and abused. And, and some of the movies are, you know, rape is the torture. So mm-hmm. um, I... And I, and I don't know if it's just, I mean, I've read men being really disturbed by it too, you know, because mm-hmm. some, some men and some women, you know, some of us have an instinct to protect and mm-hmm. you feel, you know, there's a helplessness when you watch it. Um, I, mm-hmm. I, I have a difficult time with those ones that are like that. Like I watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre actually, um, I just watched the the newer one. I think it was like 2003. I didn't watch the 2013 3D one that went straight to digital. I didn't watch that one. But I did yeah, watch yeah, no. But I did watch the 2003 one and um mm-hmm. which I had never seen before and it's it's definitely equal opportunity torture and in fact the men are more tortured than the women in that one. Um I remember that one not being as disturbing to me yeah and maybe maybe that's why you know but but there is a i mean there's sort of a genre norm around there being an extremely hot woman who's the heroine or also and also the sort of prime victim kind of thing um i know that I know she doesn't always survive so she is sometimes the heroine and sometimes not but yeah. I think um, one of the issues, or maybe you know, issues, not the right word to use, but what I think is triggering about that for me, uh, and we've seen this a lot in our um, political climate in the last couple of years with shooting, specifically the one that took place, I think it was Santa Barbara or Long Beach, I can't remember. Um, mm-hmm. This idea that if uh, a very attractive woman, um, almost like if she's attractive, if she's young, if she's sexy, and she's not attending to a man, mm-hmm. then that type of anger warrants just torturing her and almost guilting her for having, you know, going through life with this kind of beautiful privilege in their mind. And like, how dare you not give that to me? I want that. I deserve that. Yeah. And and I think a lot of times these heroines in these movies, but they're not ugly or disfigured or just even average they are knockouts and they become prey for that reason and we've seen you know whether it's been in like four fan eight fan panels of men who are angry that they don't get this type of attention um, and what they feel they're entitled to and i think sometimes these films or these movies these slashers really intensify or almost sensationalize that desire, if that makes sense. Yeah, it, it's does, it does seem like 
they're always there's always some back there's like this very light backstory of having a you know a really abusive mother uh or having a family where they didn't like you said get enough attention um and the, and also were abused or uh, they were, def- they're always, you know, a lot of them are deformed in some way kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a the there's, woman has never looked at them or right. given them that kind of, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, and so, yeah, I think it's, I'll, I'm, there's something I'm going to say that we can talk about in the psychology part a little bit more. But my thought is, is that it's kind of a parallel process in that, I think one of the pr- reasons why people watch the this kind of torture porn is because it's so intimate. Because um, there's often a lot of yeah. there's often a lot of um, there's a lot of conversation in the scenes, or at least a visual conversation between eyes and looks and touches, and then also talk. It's like and it's usually close up and it's usually slow. And there's a real concentration on it. And I think that's also the reason why the killer is doing it too, is to get that intimacy that um, that he desires, like what you're talking about, like that intimacy that no one ever gives him. And he's he's not doing he's it through fear. Right. He's using fear to get it. Mm-hmm. Right. And, right. Instead of um, the feelings that, we might want, which are sort of love and affection. And, um, he's doing it through negative emotions, fear, um, terror, and he's getting that intimacy through those emotions. And so it's, it's, it's like, it's like he's getting the emotions that we all want. He's getting what he needs, like that we all want that love and intimacy. It's just, he's messed up. And so he reads that as, as intimacy. So, um, and I also think that's why people watch that is to watch that interaction and because it's so intimate. And I think that's why they use the word porn with it <laughs> because mm-hmm. there's an intimacy to it. I don't know. Yeah, um, I agree. And then also just adding the element of power and control, which is really, mm-hmm. you know, very separate from intimacy, which is, you know, I don't really care how you feel. I deserve this. Right, and I'm a, I'm aroused simply by your fear and your vulnerability and your uh, desire to be out of this, but but you're not strong enough to get away, and that is arousing to me, which is really what rape is about. Mm-hmm. So whether someone's getting physically raped or emotionally raped in these scenes, it's all about force. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the pain. So as a woman, it's it's hard sometimes to watch films um but if it's more like a saw or a hostel or a movie where i think it's not as much about that type of intimate power and control at least in a sexually explicit way right or humiliation sexual humiliation i can tolerate it much more if that isn't there yeah i can definitely um i can appreciate the saw movies um because when the first one came out, it was unique and production value was higher than they normally are with this kind of movie. Mm-hmm. Um, 
It was interesting and unique. It was definitely a movie that was hard to watch for me. Um, Mm -hmm. I could appreciate that it was good, a good movie, a solid uh, genre um, thing. (laughs) Can't think of the word, but um, installment, (laughs) for lack of a better word. Um, But I, but I definitely, I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm not good at puzzles. Cause, yeah, I don't know. Because I imagine, you know, this is what we do is we imagine ourselves in that position and then I'm watching them figure out these like puzzles and, you know, like it's like figuring out word problems, which were not my thing in math. I was never good at word problems. And um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I watch it and I think I would die so fast. There would be there would be. Oh, right. Oh, there would yeah, be so no, much and- death so fast for me. No way. <laughs> What's so great about the Saw movies, though, again, is whether you're—it's not sexually driven. It's, it's all really about escaping this really, really um, like intense and catastrophic situation, which is—it's is, not any better, but it's a different kind of fear. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, and I think also in those movies, we'll get into this in the second part too. Is um, do you see yourself as the victim or the perpetrator? And so depending on what character you identify more with and what mm-hmm. you need to feel. Right. Um, in the other movies, I know as a woman, I don't, I could never really picture myself in the predatorial role or mm-hmm. what I want to. So I don't know. It's just very different. Yeah, no, I, I, I understand. Different. It's just, um, you, that's a great point in the sense that when you watch it, who do you, who do you put yourself in? Cause of course that's one of the things we do in movies is we have an emotional experience because we either relate or we want to understand or are fascinated. And I also think that's a draw to this is like a fascination, but it's also because yeah. like, I, like you can't, like I can't do the things that they're doing. I'm just, I'm personally at this moment in time, not capable of that kind of torture, um, non-consensual torture. Um, right. I just, I, I just couldn't do it, and so there, there is, I suppose, a fascination with, um, how, how, how someone could do that. While we take a break, go follow us on Instagram at Terror Talk Podcast, Twitter at Talk Terror, or on our Facebook page, Halloween All Year Long. If you prefer email, it's terrortalkpodcast at gmail.com. So reach out. If you like us, you can help us by subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes, or check out our Patreon page. We upload new episodes every Wednesday and Friday. Keep coming back, but first, stick around for more of our show. It's different than, as as we've talked about before, it's different than the BDSM community where it's consensual and it's actually more about submission and surrender and there's a beauty in that and a love and it's consensual and it's and it's and it's something that's important to someone engaging in those kinds of behaviors. This is just these people didn't ask for this, you know, and I'm not. I'm personally, like I said, like I'm personally not capable of doing that kind of thing. So I don't identify with the predator. I definitely identify with the, the victim and these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So I just, uh, it's, it's extreme. I mean, I, 
you know, I watched Audition back in the day. You know, it came out in 1999, and I remember when Old Boy came out, and I was really into um, that style of movie from a particular part of the world, so I watched a bunch of that kind of thing. And I don't know if it was because I was removed culturally from it that it didn't disturb me as much or or what, but when I watched the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre from, you know, 1974, that that movie to me is like the Exorcist movie is still like to me. It still, oh, it still creeps holds. me <laughs> out. It still holds. And I don't know if it's because the lens of the camera looks so dated and creepy or yeah. if, it, if, again, it goes back, because I completely agree with you. I saw the newer one in the theater and it didn't scare me the same because there wasn't that same underlying uh, just misogyny. I mean, it's there in the newer yeah. one, but it wasn't about this. These young women were going to get raped, tortured, killed. It was these group of friends, and like you said, in the newer one, the guys were getting it really bad. But the guys, again, they're not getting raped. No, they're getting tortured, which is bad. So are the women. So mm-hmm. it's just, I, different. It's the just older different. One, older yeah. one is really scary, and it's still really scary. And I, I, I think you know, you know, and I, and I think that that is partly for me. I believe production values sort of don't do this genre any service. <laughs> I mean, again, I like the Saw movies. I thought they were well. The first one, let's put it that way, really well done. Um, it was really well done, but movies like Texas Chainsaw Massacre or um, Blair Witch, which is not a torture movie, but um, when the production values are so low and it's dark and grainy, it just it lends something. It's literally a genre that is better that way. Um, I mean, if you're really going for, I'm going to scare the crap out of you. I think that's scarier mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. you know. I don't know, girls and Doc Martens screaming. I don't know. <laughs> Just there's something about it that that felt like old and country, you know, like country and you know that the stereotype of that. So like dirty and not a lot of means and out in the middle of nowhere and all of that and it just feels really scary, you know. So um yeah. what about what about you watched some other ones like Last House on the Left and I think there was another one that you watched too, right? Um I, I rewatched House of a Thousand Corpses and The Strangers was another one. The Strangers is much more psychologically tormenting because a lot of people I mean it certainly has a cult following. It's with um Liv Tyler and Scott Steedman. Yeah. And there's this young couple who, you know, he's ready to get married and she's not yet ready to it because she proposes and she says no and they and they end up okay about that but still kind of coming off this party where he says no and they go rent I think it's a so they go to a house with a, maybe it's in their one of their families and they spend the weekend there and that evening there's a knock on the door and this girl comes with a weird mask and she asks She's like, is Angela there or something like that? I don't remember the girl's name. Mm-hmm. And she's like, no. And things start to get really weird where they realize they're being watched from the outside in. Mm-hmm. And it gets progressively. And there's more of the saw type torture just at the very end. And I wouldn't even go as far to say it was that, that gruesome. Yeah. This is more 
psychologically tormenting because you don't know where these people, who they are, what their motive is, who's beneath the mask, are they in the house, are they in the backyard, are they, so it's more, for me, I liked it because it was very suspenseful, but also very tormenting. Um, they did a good, I thought they did a good job at making you kind of feel like you were going crazy with the, the two main characters. Yeah. Um, but it's not the, the style of like Texas Chainsaw or Hostel or those where it's like, you know, bits and pieces of people are being ripped off little by little or no, nobody's being raped. It's just very suspenseful but tormenting at the same time. Um, so it's pretty good so or what do you... I, I, I like it. It gets a lot of love or hate. It's like, I don't know anyone who thought it was okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember seeing it at the theater when it came out in, I think it was like 2008. Um, I, I think it's a good movie. It's fun. It's, fun. it's scary mm-hmm. in its own way. I mean, it's not like the movie of the year, but I think it's definitely worth watching. I watched it again this time and I realized why a lot of people probably didn't like it is there isn't, there isn't that much dialogue. Ah. It's really a quiet, which I liked because I thought it built the sense that i think some people get bored by that yeah yeah so, so does it feel like the characters don't get developed enough or something or maybe to some people they have enough of uh dialogue that you understand their relationship with one another and mm-hmm. why they're there and their love for one another so i felt like i wanted to fight for them yeah i think there's enough but once that develops a lot of it is silence and darkness yeah. and sound. And then it really gets into like, I think the director wanted you to feel like you were in the house with them. Mm-hmm. I like, I don't know. Yeah. That was good. And house Three. of a, and house of a thousand corpses. Is that a torture torment type of thing? Uh, the house so, of, a, yeah. Yeah. House of the Thousand Corpses is definitely much more in line with Texas Chainsaw and okay. and those. So um, the so there is this is what I was going to talk about is there is something known as the flat cap. Have you ever heard of that before? No. The flat caps are developed um, by a man named Alan Jones, uh, he coined the term. He, he, I think, he's the founder of Total Film. Mm-hmm. It consists of nine directors: Eli Roth, Rob Zombie, and Robert um, Rodriguez being three of them. And it's basically this this culture that has, you know, and like you said, it's a little bit fatigued and exhausted out now. Mm-hmm. Um, but that develops a lot of these within the last 10 years and they're sort of known for these really thick kind of this portrait that we're talking about yeah yeah it's, so there's definitely a whole subculture in the torture you bet moment. you know oh, yeah. strangers would not be part of that yeah it's definitely a thing and obviously rob zombie movies qualify and it, it's funny because it's always like it's not funny but it's always the you know the backwoods of texas <laughs> Mm-hmm. where all the sadists mm-hmm. live apparently it's so stereotypical it's like what i was talking about it's like country and backwoods and everybody's dirty and you know it's just such a such a cliche um 
but I mean, Texas Chainsaw is the same way. I mean, it's it's interesting. It's these tropes that sometimes we mention, right? They're just tropes of the genre. So I don't know. I would say a lot of the torture movies are kind of like that. They're always isolated because how do you get away with that kind of torture if you're not isolated? So, you know, right. the country is the best way. And then I guess Saw was like a industrial building or something. But yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, just weird. So oh, there was one thing I was going to mention was that, um, like, like we're kind of alluding to is that this horror subgenre was obviously there was a bunch of them in the seventies and then, mm-hmm. and then we had this resurgence, I think in the aughts, you know, in the early 2000, end of the nineties and the early two thousands where, but, but I, I saw this one statistic where it said, um, the that the three the first three conjuring movies made more money than all seven of the saw movies um and it was it was i think there was a fatigue that sat in set in sorry mm-hmm. where they just made so many and there were all of these different you know there was the hostel and wolf creek and blah, 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 and all of mm-hmm. these and there's just this fatigue that set in and and there's an exhaustion that comes with you know watching blood and screaming and limbs and sort of meaningless torture and people just want to watch like a ghost throw a lamp down you know it's like yeah for <laughs> like, sure like i need a little relief can we have something that isn't quite so threatening and horrible so yeah it just kind of did you ever see that movie the human centipede okay so interestingly enough that you brought this up because i started researching it i never had the guts to watch it because <laughs> yeah it's just first of all i i work with a lot of teenagers and i've had some teens talk to me about it in my group setting it's come up a couple times mm-hmm. and i'm like guys that's even too far for me yeah i, can't do I don't it. know if i can go there yeah I <laughs> yeah I, I saw the um I saw the director somewhere speak about something. I don't know. It was a really interesting, it was a really interesting interview. I mean, I liked him quite a bit. (laughs) He was a cool guy. Um, And it was, and he talked all about how. They've made three of them now, two or three of them now. Yeah, I think there's definitely, yeah, yeah, I I haven't, yeah, I think, yeah, I know there's a second and a third one, but um, it's just interesting because when when he was talking about it from a filmmaker standpoint it was it was really interesting because you know it's like these this you have this crazy idea and then trying to bring it to fruition and and how complicated it was and everything and how they did it how they did the different things that that movie is famous for um was really interesting but then at the end of the day you're still thinking like really like why did you have to <laughs> It's just can the, you can you give maybe a a little for people who maybe don't know what it is can um, you describe the movie? Yeah, it's <laughs> I'm gonna try. Um, <laughs> well, it's a Dutch movie. Uh, I'm not sure the year. I can look it up. It's um, a horror film, and it tells the story of a like a a it's a German surgeon and he kidnaps these tourists, these female tourists. And the, the most famous part of it is that he joins them surgically mouth to anus, um, forming a human centipede. (laughs) Yeah. 
Um, if you look up, the, I've only looked up the pictures from the actual film, and I'm like, I'm good. I'm yeah, good. I, yeah. I don't, yeah, I'm good. Super interesting, though, when he talked, this was what was most interesting to me, is that when he talked about having to film that scene, those scenes, mm-hmm. like that thing, like it's not CG. Um, no. These women and the in in interviewing them and talking to them and tell you know and and working with them on how to do this and all of the like protective gear that was in place but you mm-hmm. still had your mouth in someone's bum like for the scenes right. but there was protective gear of course uh but it's still not still not anything anyone wants to do as an actor much less if it was real i mean that's that's just too horrific to even think about but i mean the the, the photo of like the hundred and some of them or whatever i mean it's just disturbing yeah it's super disturbing the whole thing is disturbing um but so that yeah. that's a form of torture to me <laughs> absolutely that and, that, and that again, qualifies yeah i was gonna say and also the humiliation I mean, mm-hmm. you're, you know, so how vulnerable to like have your mouth up against someone's anus and and basically be inside of their asshole. Yeah, I I can't remember where I heard it. Whether I heard it from the filmmaker or I read it somewhere, but uh, there was something about like he was. It was his own sort of revenge fantasy. It was kind of came out of him thinking about punishing a child molester. Um, by you know mm. by by stitching his mouth to you know the butt of a gross guy or something like that like interesting it, it was like a the idea was kind of born out of a out of a that kind of fantasy so um yeah yeah there's there's some interesting stories around that movie if anybody ever you know if it sounds interesting to you you want to look it up there's he's an interesting guy and there's some interesting stories about how difficult it was to get made, et cetera. Um, but anyway, yeah. I think that covers the movie portion of this. Yeah. I, unless you had something else. I think so. Yeah. Okay, yeah, cool. So we're going to take a break after talking about, you know, torture and anuses. So we're going to take a little bit of a break, um, you know, splash ourselves with water and then come back and talk a bit more in depth about the psychology of maybe why we're drawn to that. Uh, this genre. Okay, so we'll be right back. Hey, we're back. This is Shannon and Kathy with Terror Talk. We've just talked all about the, um, well, what we find is mostly disturbing torture genre of horror. (laughs) Um, Although I like some of them. And I was thinking... Uh, during the break, I was thinking, you know, there was a time when I dabbled in a little bit of screenplay writing, and mm-hmm. there's a short film that I wrote that has a a pretty intense torture scene in it. <laughs> I just thought of that a little bit ago. I mean, I it was oh, like funny. the 90s when I wrote it. But um, yeah, there's something, I guess I can speak from a writer's standpoint, like there's something very cathartic about writing it because it's kind of creative because it's totally coming from pure fantasy. Um, mm-hmm. so that's, so that's, but you know, I'm not, not identifying with it really. I'm just, it's, it's, you're just creating something. And so, but I just remembered that while we were <laughs> taking a break. Um, I think you had some psychological aspects you wanted to start with or talk about. Yeah. And actually 
based on what you just said, and also the director of the Human Centipede, when um, you brought up mm-hmm. that his original idea came from a revenge fantasy. Mm-hmm. So I looked up an interview by, um, actually I know Riley Factor, Bill O'Reilly, he's like one of my least favorite people on the planet, but I thought it was an interesting interview. He interviewed this woman, um, Dr. Virginia Klein, Okay. Um, he wanted to know, licensed psychologist, and he wanted to know, you know, why you know, he made it sound like it's worse than this day and age, the sickness that people watch and think is still, you know, people actually first started back in the 70s, because mm. now we have more media to be able to, people see them much quicker and they're short that you can have it. Yeah. So just in the age of technology where people have easier access to these films that we've made even way before the 70s, especially if you look at European films, they've been doing torture and, and you know, film noir for a long time. So, mm, gotcha. long story short, Virginia Klein, Dr. Klein says, first, first case, her analysis is that, again, we want to be looking at, is this um, a denial of feeling? Uh, that leads up to uh, pent up rage. So, are we living in a culture that suppresses emotion? Mm-hmm. Um, because you know, some people feel the terror; they can't feel otherwise. Mm-hmm. And some people feel the power they dare don't express. And this is where I got that idea or thought about who are we identifying with when we watch. Do we identify with the victim or the perpetrator? Is it fearful or does it feel empowering, depending on the characters that we might identify with? And I think on a lot of the torture films, it's much harder for a woman to identify with the perpetrator unless it's films like I Sit on the Grave or Revenge, you know, torture. Then you might see a female character being the one who's doing the tormenting. Um, so that was one piece. The other piece she said was we have an omnipotence that we imagine when we are children um, because we feel so powerless. So sometimes people revert back to the power of the child and so therefore need this type of outlet um, or to feel this sort of power, I guess. So um, like, I don't know yeah. how much I agree with all that, but these were some of the things that she was talking about. So I just want to throw that at you and see what you thought about any of that. Yeah, it's like omnipotence, right? A feeling of omnipotence. So a feeling of being able to control all things. And I I get that as far as like with the Saw movie or um, there was a horror movie that I mentioned really briefly in a conversation that we had, I think maybe in one of our shrink chats where that I watched where it was, you know, a woman was raped and then the rest of the movie was her. Uh, getting back at the men and then the, like there's this old movie called I Spit on Your Grave which was really brutal and yeah that's the one that I was just talking about yeah okay great so yeah she and yeah. I mentioned it earlier so yeah the victimization and 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 her her victimization is very brutal but then what she does to that him them is even more brutal um right and it's a revenge it's just a little bit different yeah, and I think I even said the other movie, the name I can't remember right now. I know I watched it on Shudder, but it was the same sort of idea. Um, the I remember even saying when we talked about 
what we had watched that week. And I remember saying like, oh, I like this one because the part where she was victimized was really brief. And then, you know, and then it was an hour and a half of her hunting them yeah, down, I about which that. was, mm-hmm. which was, I, I can, I can see that. Um, so that's where it's a little bit different, right? We were talking in the last segment about how oh, we don't really identify with the torturer, but then you put it in where, you know, I'm identifying with the victim and then I'm getting, then I'm torturing back, um, is certainly easier to identify with, or at least put yourself in the position of not sure if I'd be able and, to do and it. Easier but, to watch. It's yeah. Easier to watch. Victim is not really a victim. Yeah, there's the um, the, the taking back your, of the power, and then and so then right. we feel then we feel attracted to the power when there's some sort of justification because I think psychologically we feel like that's right or justified or it you know it's kind of the eye for the eye an eye for an eye kind of culture that we have where you know if I'm hurt then I'm going to hurt you back. Um, and it's a way we can play that we can, I mean, watching a movie and getting some satisfaction out of watching that, I think psychologically speaking, I mean, as a therapist, I think that's a lot healthier way to do it than doing it in real life and trying to, you know, execute an Mm -hmm. eye for an eye thing. So, so I can see how, I mean, I don't know if that's what she was talking about, but as we sort of expound on the idea, that's where I see the gold in that is it's like, well, Movies are a way for me to play out things psychologically that I'm not gonna do, you know, or that sus- almost, almost like a like a like a supplementation, right? Yeah, exactly, like, exactly, yeah. exactly. Like mm-hmm. society's not gonna let me do those, and nor do I know if I would even be capable of doing those things. Um, well, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. so mm-hmm. I can play it out in my mind. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think the part that I I question a little bit is, um, are we? To say that we're a culture that suppresses emotion, I don't think it's fair to say that across the board. I think that there is uh, a lot of encouragement in this country to express emotions. I mean, there's a lot of kickbacks depending on what area you're from, what Mm -hmm. gender you are. So I agree with that. But to just say we are a culture, what culture are we talking about? Yeah, I I don't know. Men are asked to suppress emotion more than women, typically. Um, but I don't know. I don't know what she means by that. Yeah, I'm wondering about that. Where it's like, if that's the the soundbite, and there's a further discussion that you know mm-hmm. she would have about that. I'm sure if she was questioned, I don't know. But when I hear that, it makes me think. Okay, well, I I get what she's saying. It just it just needs a follow up question, which sounds yeah. like she didn't get. And the follow up questions would be things like, well, do you mean white culture? <laughs> do you and I mean... was reading the transcription. Yeah, I was yeah. reading the transcription. So the other piece that I want to throw out, though, that I kind of believe in is apathy. I think that we are so overexposed to things now mm-hmm. that it does take much more for us to be aroused. And I don't mean sexually. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, it Mm -hmm. it takes more to, um, because you know maybe we'll do an a bonus episode or something someday about you know just why we watch horror. Um, You can extrapolate it from most of our episodes, obviously, but I I mean the adrenaline rush. You know, I think you you know the serotonin, the euphoria, euphoric feelings. I mean, uh, obviously that's a part of this too. And then I guess you tie that to. If if 
so if we just take her idea as as true and say like okay so we're repressed as a society let's say in general i just i agree with you i don't know how you could say that but like across the board there's nothing like that across the board because that's why i was saying Mm -hmm. like do you mean white people because okay you know like or do you mean all Mm -hmm. the races and ethnicities or all the genders or western culture yeah or are you talking western european culture or like so um i i get I get the idea, um, but yeah. So if, if you're saying that society is in general um, repressed, then yes, of course, these are an outlet. And I guess what I was saying before is is kind of that. I'm I'm saying that I because I believe the imagination is you know imaginal therapy is a way to to get places in your in your psyche that that you can't go in the physical world. So by watching movies and all of that, you know, you're going to this imaginal place that can be quite healing. And so maybe that's where she was going. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I just think that, that it, it can be an escape, but I also feel like this resurgence, like you were saying, of the flat pack over these last 10, 15 years really um, is because of the capital when you look at what scare people, it used to be Frankenstein, the monster and the werewolf. And now it takes, you know, people getting their flesh ripped off. The other, a movie that I didn't mention at the beginning, I don't know if you've ever seen this one, Shannon, but it's Dee Snyder's Strangeland. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Terrifying. Um, And that was, that was one of the first, I think that was made in the late nineties. And it was one of the first movies I had watched that really, um, broke the feeling as far as like when we talk about apathy and mm-hmm. I remember going, oh my God, I've never seen anything this gruesome before. Um, and I remember the feeling of like, this is just, this is not anything like I've ever seen. It was really uncomfortable. And now since then I've seen hundreds of times. Yeah. I mean, I so think that late nineties, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I, that late nineties turn of the century, early aughts was, like we just got inundated. It was just constant with those kinds of movies that really had a resurgence. But I was also thinking, you know, earlier we mentioned like the the intimacy of this kind of horror. And I also, I think there's something in that as far as the scenes can be very powerful and emotional and poignant. And so if you've ever gone through anything horrific, I think there's a, there's a way to feel in the victim's position that feels like I know what she's feeling or I know what he's feeling. Um, I think there's something there where they can feel seen in that way. It's like we watch these movies and we get some emotional value out of it and then we feel guilty for having watched them. So I don't know. There's something in there where I feel like it's the guilt and shame in our culture of, you know, watching something dirty. Like that's another relation to porn is that it's something scary and forbidden and guilty and we shouldn't be enjoying watching it. And so we feel this guilt. And so then maybe there's that feeling that comes up. Well, that's exactly what I was going to say. Is I think that's actually why it's 
called poster porn mm-hmm. is that there's this almost like we want to just open one eye and kind of peek at it, even though it, knowing if, if someone walked in, it wouldn't really look good. Yeah. And it's kind of yeah. like, why would, why would you want to watch that? But at the same time, like I kind of get it because I get aroused by that too. Right. So it's this dirty little secret that we all have that there's a part of us that goes and just want to know what it's like mm-hmm. to either to do that and not give a fuck. Right. To be able to go to that place. And I think that's the, the deviant piece in all of us, whether or not we can actually ever identify or be able to do something to that extent, to be able to sit there and go, there are people who can. Mm-hmm. And that is fascinating to us. And by yeah. watching it, we sort of get to live vicariously that person, even though we never really have the desire, I'm not sure associates have one. We don't have the desire. It's just, it's just dirty curiosity. Yeah, um, yeah. That maybe that's yeah. why. Not maybe that's why I don't enjoy them as much. Um, because I, I don't know. I've talked to people who are capable of those kinds of things, as I know you have. Um, So I I don't enjoy them as much because I guess I'm not getting into that sort of fantasy brain. Maybe I would enjoy them more if I actually I'm thinking about right now, like I wonder if I would enjoy these types of movies more if I just really concentrated on them as fiction and maybe there would be some emotional uh, value for me in that on one side or the other, some sort of healing value in there. But unfortunately I watch them and I think they're too real. <laughs> so, Well, that's the same for me. I think since I've started doing this work, I don't really enjoy them anymore. And yeah. I can completely go without them. Yeah. I think, uh, but I, but I certainly think we've touched on a lot of the reasons why, um, why people do, I mean, and also why they don't watch these types of things. And also maybe, maybe a little there at the end about sort of the value that could be gathered from watching these, if you're using them purely as kind of a way to heal from something or fantasize about something that you're never going to do. I don't know. Maybe there's something in there. It's, I know it probably sounds like a little bit of a stretch <laughs> to people, but I could see something in there in the right situation. I, I, don't, I also think that people like to, especially, I'm really going to profile right now, and I apologize for this, but um, young men, adolescents, young adulthood, mm-hmm. there's this idea of, I can sit through this to you. It just doesn't yeah. fucking scare me. It's almost like this, uh, I don't know, rite of passage. <laughs> Yeah, the yeah, I get it. Like, you know, we do witness I work with a lot of adolescent boys and, and so do you and we witness people we witness them um, trying, you know, trying to be grosser than the other trying to withstand more disgusting things, the violent games Mm -hmm. and everything. Um, And I would probably say too, that that's part of the, the numbing that happens because Mm-hmm. Like I have a friend that watches this kind of stuff all the time and, and, and worse, you know, just YouTube videos and different things. And, and there's a numbness to it where, where there's laughter at it instead of my reaction, which is horror, um, right. to a lot of things. Um, but he watches and them it- and he laughs and thinks it's funny. And I'm just like, okay, I can't even, I can't even relate to that but you know the apathy. 
Yeah, and just maybe culturally gender differences too is kind of what you're sort of saying. Maybe there's that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the apathy. Mm. All right. Well, I am not apathetic about our next segment. We're going to do a what the hell segment when we get back from the break, which we actually enjoy doing. (laughs) Actually, I really, I actually enjoyed this conversation more than I thought when we were talking about recording it. I was like, oh, these movies are so hard. They're so hard to watch. And we had to watch a few of them in order to get prepared. And oh, God. But I actually, I actually learned a few things and got something out of this. So I thank you for the conversation. And um, we're going to come back right after the break and do our what the hell segment. Stick around. Hi, everybody. This is Shannon and Kathy with Terror Talk. We are back for our What the Hell segment. So those of you who don't know, we do a segment at the end of most shows called What the Hell. And it's a story that we find, a true crime story that we find. And it mostly makes you say, what the hell were they thinking? Like, what? Huh? And we we end up having questions, really. (laughs) Um, But so I'll go first. Uh, the, The title... The title of it is The Lowest High There Is, is what it was called. Um, (laughs) For a trio of drug thieves, it was their lucky day. These criminals broke into a home in Silver Springs, Florida, and they discovered three large jars of cocaine. So they took it home and they snorted it all (laughs) over time. (laughs) over time of course um but what they discovered was that the jars were actually urns so they had (laughs) they so they they had hurt the woman in the house i guess they had i think they had killed the woman in the house and then and then stolen these jars of cocaine and what they were in fact snorting was the remains of the victim's husband and two dogs <laughs> I'm sorry. oh god i'm sorry to laugh but i can't <laughs> i can't help it that's I was just vomiting like for the rest of my life if i knew that that's what i had snorted i know it's like um well you're always laughing at me because I'm always finding the thieves. <laughs> the stories yeah, I are. are always. I would be heartbroken though if I was this woman. I'd be so heartbroken. Well, I think they hurt her. I don't know. They called her the victim, but maybe it was just a victim of, you know, the the robbery. Um, yeah, she was probably just the robbery victim um, because they don't mention anything about hurting her. I know I said earlier that they hurt her, but no. I mean, I I would have been heartbroken knowing that like the remains of someone I love my daughter you know no i i know whatever we're i I know yeah so so kathy's heart is broken and i think it's hilarious because (laughs) you know they're drug thieves well the guys the guys are looking idiots i mean that's hilarious i just there were three of them (laughs) all three of them agreed to this so my question is have you never snorted cocaine before because that's not like the guys like if they're so wouldn't you notice like gray ashes are not and cocaine ashy? it's ash well, like going up your nose going down your throat i mean like it's gray and i mean yes there are rocks in it but it's 
I mean, desperate times. You know, they they wanted to believe that they had found something. Yeah, I mean, even yeah. if you don't, if you've never done cocaine, I think you might realize it doesn't look like ash. Yeah, I mean, but these guys have certainly done cocaine before, so that that's my that's my that's where my laughter is coming from. Is it's like really three of you you didn't notice that it wasn't cocaine Fucking and it was idiot. a different. I mean, I get that cocaine can be different colors, but really, <laughs> I just don't. And who keeps cocaine? And who keeps cocaine in bath? <laughs> in, in an urn? Yeah. And I just, and then there's, then I have the question of like, how much did they smoke before they figure? I mean, smoke, snort before they figured it out. <laughs> oh my god, what a bunch of idiots! <sighs> I don't know. It brought up a lot of visuals for me. It was definitely one of those things you want to put in a movie. But okay, go ahead, do yours. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Um, well, this guy's a complete idiot too. So try saying this five times fast. A guy wearing Crocs jumps into the crocodile pond at an alligator farm. Hmm. Okay. okay. He is 23 years old. He's arrested after allegedly breaking into the park. This is in 2018. Mm-hmm. And deciding to take a swim in the Nile crocodile explosion. A neighbor, I guess, of the park calls 911 at 6.50 a.m. the next morning to report a suspicious person wearing only his underwear and the frock mm. crawling in a backyard near the park. Mm. So the farm itself soon makes its own 911 calls to report vandalism. A pair of crocs and a pair of shorts were floating in the crocodile pond, <laughs> and a bloody trail is found heading to the top of the 20 foot tall structure near it. Mm. And the $3,000 statue has been knocked over. I, okay, I'm not even done with this yet, and I'm trying to pick her this whole thing. Yeah, I mean, I'm a little so, confused. <laughs> So he had, he jumped into the pond, clearly gotten bit. He had taken off his frocks and his shorts, so he was in his tidy whities Okay. He gets out of the pond by falling up the thing, knocks over a $3,000 statue, and ends up in this person's backyard near the park. The cop locates the boxer flat man, mm-hmm. claims he had been bitten by an alligator, puts two and two together, and they figure out it's this guy. So he's been charged with burglary and criminal mischief. He, he also allegedly damaged part of the snack bar and toppled lamps and signs <laughs> at the park before entering the oasis on the Nile exhibit. So, so remind me, up, <laughs> remind me what he was trying to do. <laughs> we don't know. Oh, okay. I thought he I didn't know. A, well, he wanted to take a swim in the Nile uh, crocodile enclosure. He, he thought it was a good idea to go swimming with the crocodile in the middle of the night. Okay, so already so, retarded. Okay. Before he gets in there, he had knocked over and damaged part of the snap bar at the park, toppled lamps, signs at the park before entering this, exhibit, this Nile exhibit. Oh. He jumped off a five to six foot structure into about two feet of water. <laughs> <laughs> and he climbs up a 20 foot structure, which now we know this is where the blood trail, because they're following the blood trail. Right. In the park director said in our 125-year history, this is the first time anyone has tried to go swimming with the crocodiles. He was allegedly in the exhibit for four hours. Oh. The damaged statue can only be accessed by swimming in the croc pond. Security footage shows a nine-foot-long croc lunging at Hatfield and then locking onto his left foot. 
when he escaped to the edge of the pool for his arrest report, he ultimately managed to fight off the croc and get away. He wow. used a wallaby and skates to ride a croc dog. He got on the crocodile. Wow. Wow. That is an eventful evening. Very, and probably went by quicker than he had hoped. That oh, four <laughs> hours, like what? I, I. Then he ends up in the backyard naked. Well, yeah, because he's. Uh, we're gonna go with maybe insane. I don't know. Maybe having a an episode of some kind. <laughs> I mean, awesome. it's entirely possible. Oh, There's oh, fantastic. Yeah. Why don't you tell the people what to Google <laughs> to, well, I, to see this video? Uh, just, just put in croc-wearing croc guy jumps in the croc box and it'll come up. He, the best part is, is he jumps off a six-foot cliff into, or six-foot, you know, jump into two feet of water. I want to see that landing. Oh, painful. Um, yeah, so I'm going to go with, I'm. these are my assessment questions. <laughs> What were you? What have you imbibed today? What kind of substances have you ingested? That's the first piece, and then the other piece is okay. If you haven't ingested any substances, what previous diagnoses have you had? <laughs> <laughs> have you attempted suicide in the past? Yeah, and those I mean, kinds of things wow. too. Because I've definitely heard stories like that, and my, the stories that I've heard like that are unfortunately. Um, severely bipolar people off their medications thinking that they are oh. way more powerful Holy than they manic. are. Yeah. Yep. Mania. So those, that's, <laughs> uh, okay. I really appreciate that story. Um, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you very much. Uh, please uh, come back on Friday when we upload our Shrink Chat show. We have a very special bonus episode going out next week, but we also have our regularly scheduled episode of terror talk on Wednesday, which I believe we are doing some uh, true crime documentaries. There stuff like the nanny, that kind of thing. Um, yes. So that's what we'll be doing. So please come back and we thank you very much. And this is Shannon. Um, this is terror talk. My name is Shannon. And I'm Kathy. Please stay safe, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Terror Talk. If you enjoyed this show, there are two things you could do for us. Subscribing and sharing our episodes on social media, as well as writing a review on iTunes. Plus, you could check out our Patreon page. Don't hesitate to contact us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. We upload new episodes of Terror Talk every Wednesday and of Shrink Chat every Friday. Until then, goodbye and have a pleasant tomorrow.